Here's Matt Mosley. It is Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show, joined by Jeff Chadia, my good friend from NFL.com and the NFL Network, lives in Kansas City, goes to a lot of Chiefs, covers the Chiefs a lot, and then was in Vegas and uh, is now, boy, the Chiefs are getting very used to this. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Uh, how are you uh, recovering from a, a week in Vegas? I feel like from talking to you earlier via text, it was not that wild of a time for you, but it seemed like uh, <laughs> seemed like for the most part Vegas held up well and just kind of went on being whatever Vegas is. It's not like the Super Bowl changed it that much. Is that the sense you got from from being there? Yeah, it was just Vegas on steroids, and you knew going in you were going to see a lot of a lot of different types of people showing up. It was almost like Times Square on New Year's Eve. People just come to see what's going on, you know, see see what the party is like. So you had a lot of that going on. But yeah, most people probably go for about two or three days in Vegas to do it for for eight nights. Yeah, I was looking for an oxygen tank at one point and probably uh, trying to invest in liquid IV just to get through today. <laughs> Uh, I, I pushed my limits, pushed my bound. I'm not a young man anymore, so I definitely uh, I'm happy to be home sitting in my living room now looking at my cat again. Can 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 you imagine where, where they, if we were still at ESPN.com, like where they would have put us for a deal? Because we would have been in yeah. a off-brand. <laughs> Airbnb in Utah. <laughs> With or without water, perhaps. That's right. You never yeah. know. Um seemed like the Luxor had a big role in the media, uh, although you being with NFL.com, you all usually have your own sort of digs. Where, was, uh, where, were, where were the NFL Network and NFL.com folks housed? The Cosmopolitan. And nice. I hadn't, been, I hadn't been in Vegas in about 15 years, so that hotel did not exist the last time I was there. It was nice. It was very nice, you know, compared to, yeah, a lot of – you know, media folks can be when it comes to free trips. They'll, they'll, they'll find a way to complain about anything. And the, the Luxor was literally a step below a Motel 6 in some kind of seedy whorehouse. They, you know, like the way people <laughs> described it. It was uh, some, some some strange things happening over there in terms of quality. Yeah. Uh, you know, our, our, our good friend Sam Farmer from the L.A. Times did the Excalibur, which was another media hotel, and he was paying 38 bucks a night when he got there. So I can tell you what kind of quality – you know, he was getting from that. Yeah, although he usually he was venturing out to talk to the players' families and that kind of thing. He's always uh, he's always yeah. got that angle going. In fact, I heard from him recently. His son was was needing some something here in the Dallas area. It was a, it was it was only Sam Farmer could set this up. Uh, uh, but it was uh, it was good to hear from him. I, I would say the biggest the biggest complaining we ever did is the media may have been the Jacksonville Super Bowl. And that yeah. was they weren't prepared for that kind of crowd, and they didn't have enough hotel rooms. And so a lot of the media was shuffled on to a couple of cruise ships that they were yeah. able to squeeze into the canal. For, I, I feel like that was the about the most complaining the media ever did with the Jacksonville Super Bowl, if you recall that one. Yeah, well, you didn't go to Minneapolis then because that was the height of it, and that was about 
I think the high for the week was about five degrees and the low was about 10 below and there was a blizzard on Sunday. So on Saturday, <laughs> Saturday night. So yeah, anything that happened well, in Jacksonville was topped by the, uh, the trip to Fargo, <laughs> you know, uh, a cameo in Fargo. Uh, yeah. Although let's not act like we did a very good job in Dallas. Okay. We didn't know how yeah. to salt the roads. We didn't know how to salt the sidewalks. And so, had a horrific week, and then on the, of course, Super Bowl Sunday, they had the big scandal. Jerry tried to set some record, and so he tried to jam some some seats that weren't allowed, and so some of the people who paid for their Super Bowl tickets were turned away. Uh, we'll never yeah. forget. We'll never forget that. All right, so Chiefs fans are. I mean, they're spoiled at this point. This is now. This is feeling starting to feel like the Patriots. This is. I think they're even, you know, Mahomes and everybody are admitting now, okay, this is the start of a dynasty or the middle of a dynasty. This sort of tops, seems to have almost topped what the Cowboys did in the 90s. And isn't it weird to look at Andy Reid now? I I still have a hard time getting Andy Reid with the Eagles out of my mind because that's where I covered him the most. And that's where I actually spent a fair amount of time around him. And yet... And now you've covered him a lot with the Chiefs. He, he'll go down as one of the greatest ever. Like, he's completely, in about seven to eight years here, or six years, redefined his entire career and legacy. Um, and, and now he's mentioned, you know, it's Belichick, Chuck Noll, and Andy Reid. Isn't that amazing to watch, uh, Jeff, to kind of, and, and to think how we think of him now um, is completely different than how we felt about him you know, even five years ago. Yeah, like five years ago, he was sitting where Kyle Shanahan sits now, right? <laughs> he uh, could, get, could get to the big game, could get to, could get to a championship game, but couldn't win it. And now he is, yeah, he's three rings in five years. And I don't think it's, you know, if, if you're ranking dynasties, I wouldn't put it above Dallas because they won three and four years and never lost one. That, that loss to Tampa still uh, is a... Uh, a black mark on this dynasty but yeah it's definitely a dynasty and it's definitely for real and i think the way that they won this year is an, is a testament to his coaching ability because really they didn't have the dominant teams that they'd had when they first won their first championship but you know with tyreek hill and some of the other guys who were there tyron matthew you know they had to really outsmart people and they had to use a lot of tricks and they had to be creative and they had to redefine themselves and if I live in Kansas City, and if you asked people in this town when they were going into their last regular season game what they would do, I guarantee you nobody was saying Super Bowl. <laughs> like people were going to be happy if they were able to win on the road, you know, get a wild card win against you know beat up Miami team, win on the road maybe once, and then maybe get to the AFC Championship game, and that would be you know a good season based on what they'd seen as far as the inconsistency. So to end up with a championship after all that, it, it really speaks to not just their resilience, but just their their moxie, their savvy. Um, again, that game really was the epitome of what they've been this year. They worked great with pass protection, didn't have a ton of weapons. They struggled to score points at times, but they played great defense, and the quarterback was great. So that's how they won games. And Spagnuolo, I mean, you talk about in a different sort of way, he's a legend. I mean, because he's yeah. done it as a coordinator now, what, four times. And so, I mean, can't, if a coordinator can ever get in the, the Hall of Fame, you know, he's got a, <laughs> he's got a shot at it. And, and it was amazing 
to do what he did in that game. And as you kind of start to break it down, you know, in terms of just, you know, the, the blitzers, everything he did. And, of course, they had some mistakes along the way, and they got hit on the trick play. But, um, but I mean, he, he had – you're right. They, the defense – we always talk about Mahomes, but the defense played an enormous role in kind of holding things down in time for Mahomes in the offense to finally get rolling late. Yeah, and really you look at that, you know, when they were down 10 at nothing in the first half, and yeah. easily it could have been 17 if they don't force a McCaffrey fumble. Uh, they come out in the second half, the Chiefs do on offense, and Mahomes do an interception, you know, that's around midfield. The Niners could have turned that into points. They didn't do that. And, yeah, I think just it always felt in that game that the Niners could never get one more score to make the Chiefs uncomfortable. And that, that's a testament to what they were doing defensively. But but you're right. Some of the biggest plays in that game came down to the defense, you know, getting a stop. Uh, Chris Jones maybe had a couple big pressures when Brock Purdy had people open down the field and he had to rush a throw. And he had Debo Samuel on one play like that in the end zone and Jawan Jennings in the end zone for an overtime that could have been touchdowns. Um, those were key plays. You look at the way Leo Chanel, uh, an unheralded linebacker who was starting this game because the Niners play so much two back one tight end formations and you know he had a huge game he had like six tackles and forced a fumble and blocked a field goal and and so they they found a way you know they really when they traded Tyreek Hill away a couple years ago and decided they were going to try to bulk up their defense and yeah I think really to give Mahomes some time to develop some weapons around some younger guys it was a smart move they could make because they really hit on a lot of guys and and, and that unit was a big part of why they ended up winning a championship. Yeah, it's just great to bring another title, uh, world title to Dallas, Jeff, is what uh, <laughs> with, with Clark Hunt and the family. <laughs> yeah, and uh, living right down the road from Jerry. You know, it has to drive Jerry nuts to just watch this guy win uh, title after title. And, of course, Lamar Hunt started that all those years ago. But uh, somebody was trying to do that the other day, like, yeah, I cheer for Kansas City, you know, because of they came from Dallas. And I'm just like, okay, it was 1960, and they left in whatever that was, 62 or 63. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, you're, you're going back a little far yeah. to try to claim the Chiefs. <laughs> and obviously, yeah. as with their AFC – AFL, whatever we call it, uh, ties. But, uh, yes, we do. We claim Clark Hunt, and uh, it, Clark's a pretty unassuming guy. Have you ever gotten to visit with uh, with Clark? Like, I mean, like, how, dude, how much credit? Because I, I would think the GM there gets a lot of credit for putting things together. Andy Reid, obviously, McHolmes gets much of the credit. Is Clark just the complete opposite of Jerry? just does not want any attention and rarely does interviews. That's, that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. I mean, he pretty much comes out and talks maybe two or three times a year. Obviously this game, he's going to be more available, but he tends to stay in the background. He wanted Andy Reed. He wanted when he got, took over the team from his dad back in whatever, 2007, 2008. And he got rid of Herm Edwards. He wanted a, a GM and a coach could be the face of his franchise because that's what his dad had with Marty Schottenheimer and uh, Carl Peterson, the former GM back in the 90s, and they loved that structure. And so it didn't work quite work out with Todd Haley and Scott Pioli. That was kind of a kind of a dud <laughs> marriage. But he hit the jackpot with Andy Reid, and really, 
I tell people all the time, Brett Veach has been phenomenal for this team. And this is really the, the team that he has, you know, had his biggest stamp on in terms of personnel. Some of the young guys like Legarius Sneed, Trent McDuffie, George Karloff, the guys that he, he drafted. But um, John Dorsey, who came in with Andy Reid, the former GM, when they let go of back before they won their first championship, did a tremendous job of drafting. Like he found Tyreek Hill in the fifth round. He found Travis Kelsey in the third round. He found Chris Jones in the second round. And those guys, uh, Eric Fisher was the first round, first overall pick. People wonder why he was that guy. And so, you know, he really built a team that Patrick Mahomes could take over and Andy Reid could win with quickly. And that's set the stage for what they got with with Patrick coming in here. But that's all about Clark and his belief in that structure not being not being the whole show. Like, you know, I, you know, he's, uh, you talk about living in Dallas. Like, yeah, it was, he's a competitive guy. It wouldn't surprise me if he's crip walking up his driveway right now where Jerry can see him with those Lombardi trophies, just hanging out and doing a little, doing a little jig. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, he likes the way his old, his, his old man, his, when his dad was here, he owned a major league soccer team and he would go around to the different, radio stations and newspapers advertising and try to sell spots for his ad- advertisement for his soccer team by the owner of uh, NFL owner doing that, sitting down with people <laughs> and bring out, busting out a portfolio. <laughs> and this is what we've got going here. Would you want to buy some advertising spaces? So that's, that's the kind of guy his dad was in the, the sun ain't falling far from the tree. Yeah. That's the old day. Like Tom Landry had his uh, number in the phone book. I bet Lamar hunt was a little <laughs> bit like that. Although the yeah. Hunt family comes from incredible oil money, so they couldn't. But uh, but they are pretty down to earth for being billionaires or whatever they are. You know, coming from all that uh, all that incredible money. Jeff Chadia on the Matt Mosley show. I thought that was interesting from the NFL Network and NFL.com. I might add um, to see Rice, the the rookie. I mean, arguably their best wideout. I mean, I mean, it was the degree of difficulty on this one having to go on the road for all those games in the playoffs, not really having other than Kelsey, like a great wide receiver at all. Um, the degree of difficulty was higher than ever. But on top of that, in this game, you've got Rice. And, of course, we're seeing all this on TV. You're like, wait, you got to be in the league more than that to be down there hollering at Mahomes in the <laughs> yeah. Super Bowl on the sideline. Like that, I think Mahomes yeah. shut that down in a hurry. Like, Get get out of my face. And then yeah. Kelsey almost knocks Andy Reid down. He's off the field for a play, and, and he's mad. And, like, Andy was just completely caught. He wasn't ready for that. Like, Kelsey kind of gives him a, a little bit of a bump. And I thought to myself, this is like how the Cowboys behave on the sideline. Yeah. And, yeah. and yet they were okay. And so I, I think that's what Shanahan's thinking today is, like, what a – what an incredible opportunity they let get away from them. You know, there have been reasons for these other ones, but uh, I, I think as great as he is, he's got to start feeling a little bit snake-bitten from, from yeah. as a play caller giving up the huge lead to having these leads, whether it be AFC title game or the Super Bowl, this keeps happening to him. Yeah, well, and look, I, I think – on the Chiefs end of it, some of those frustrations blowing over, that, that was the way they were all season, most of the second half. It kind of, I think they were okay with it in this game because they'd gotten so accustomed to people, you know, <laughs> bitching and moaning and getting on each other on the sidelines. Uh, was just, you can find all kinds of clips about that stuff happening. But, 
as far as Shanahan goes, yeah, you know, I, I, he'll get some heat for losing this game, but I thought he coached a really good game. And I thought he went from being, he tends to be conservative and in key moments, he was very aggressive going for it on fourth down, um, early in the fourth quarter to get a touchdown and get taking the ball in overtime. And yeah, he had some tough luck there. You got a ball bounce off a, a blocker on a punt return that your punt return doesn't feel cleanly and that gets recovered. And, you know, you don't expect Christian McCaffrey to cough up the ball in the first drive of the game. One of the most consistent, you know, reliable running backs in the league uh, who ends up having a great game. And, and certainly, you know, it's, there was just, uh, you know, I think losing Greg Greenlaw was, it was a huge hit. <laughs> He's running on the field and he tears his Achilles. Wow. And now you lose one more guy who can't cover Kelsey. It was a tremendous cover linebacker. So, yeah, I think that there is um, what you're saying is all true. And I, I, that's what I'm saying about the Chiefs this year, that they weren't the best team on paper. And if you look at the way they played throughout the year, they weren't the best team. But when they got in these moments, when teams had opportunities to take them out, something always happened where they made a play. And that happened in Buffalo when Josh Allen could have hit Stephon Diggs on a short crossing route with under two minutes ago and worked the clock. And they ended up missing a field goal to tie the game. It happened in Baltimore. When Baltimore came out with a jacked-up game plan to turn Lamar Jackson into Warren Moon and, you know, not run the ball at all. You're the best rushing offense in football. And it happened in this game where they just, you know, they they, they had opportunities. And, you know, that punt return was a big, big loss. Uh, the fumble, the uh, McCaffrey fumble was big. And if, if they'd had in some of these games, I go back to the last three games they played the playoffs, Baltimore, Buffalo, and this one, the Niners. If the Chiefs had had one more turnover or – have one less turnover in any of these games, they probably aren't here. They're probably at home a couple of weeks ago, but they, they realized what Tom Brady and the Patriots realized a long time ago, which was, you know, sometimes you lose these games <laughs> by making mistakes. You, you know, it's great to have winning plays and all that, but sometimes the little things that you think don't matter as much tend to add up over time. There were seven fumbles in this game and the chiefs recovered six of them. <laughs> like that's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then Patrick Mahomes at some point's kind of like, okay, guys, appreciate everybody who's been here with me. I got to go ahead and go win this game, and <laughs> and he's just running for stuff, right? Fourth and one, you're yeah. like, oh my gosh, the game's coming down to this, and like yeah. it's like a triple option. He's out there, and then on a, on a huge play in the game, he's just racing. I think maybe a third down where he just races right through the heart of the defense. And this has been a defense that's been pretty good. Been a great yep. defense throughout the season, pretty good in this game, and yet, you know, what is his final numbers? 333 yards. He runs for the most on the team, and his running style has been much talked about. It's not like you don't see him and go, oh, he's a burner, he's Lamar Jackson, but when he has to, he, he gets out there and gets as many yards as he needs, right? Like 20 yep. yards, like it's nothing. And so, yep. anyway, it was uh, yep. it was good. Well, enjoy the parade. Um and uh, I don't know when you when you went to Kansas City. I don't know that you knew you were you were heading to the epicenter of the NFL, but here you are, and uh, you're you're right in the middle of it all. But appreciate you doing this. Get some get some rest after all those wild nights in Vegas. Okay, at the I will do that. <laughs> all right, there he goes, right, uh, Jeff. Ch- yeah, appreciate you, Jeff Chidea from uh, NFL.com.